When I think of the Gogler gang, I think of people who put nylons over their faces and then then glue lights to their eyes on top of the nylons and then try and commit crimes while completely blind. It's part of the thrill. Raises the stake. <laughs> You're like, look, man, I've robbed enough movie theaters, all right? But I, I bet I could. But do I, it I bet blind. I could do it blind. Hey there, detectives. Thanks for tuning in for part two of episode sixteen, "A Figure in Hiding," featuring Jack Webster. Let's get back to the story. too much i have to leave the country and i'm leaving on the cruise ship the cristobal i really love this phrase though we're not burglars we rang the bell at the gate but no one answered so we had to climb over we had to also uh they describe uh izmir as reptilian when they talk to him his reptilian eyes yes and that he has recently suffered a nervous it's like if you're if you're a space ghost fan i think of sorak boom Oh yeah, that like eye I think blink of, sound. Uh, yeah, the eye blink sound. I think of the the visitors from V, the TV oh. series, the lizard people who like he's reptilian, and when you look away, he's gonna like very over dramatically eat a mouse. Because <laughs> no, he has to do it in the time. It, he's gonna do it by dangling it over his face, unhinging his jaw, and his jaw will turn into claymation, and then he will lower the mouse down into his. Well, thank God! Mouth. Thank God he let us all know what yes. sort of species he was. No, they interrogate uh, Mister Izmir with his reptilian eyes, and let's see. They're like, "We'll let you know if we find out anything about what he says." His car got stolen, and he's been receiving death threats. Mm-hmm. Oh, which turns out to be total bullshit. The police are like, he's not reported any death threats. And he's right. rich. He would totally do that. Yeah, absolutely. They think that he might be a crooked businessman. And I'm like, Yeah. And I'm like, a crooked businessman? Chief Pollock says, I have heard of him. He's one of the biggest businessmen in Ocean City and quite a community leader. He has all sorts of projects. Izmir Motors is just one. And Joe says, he doesn't sound like the kind of person who would be mixed up in anything crooked. And I was like... I know, a businessman. They get a phone call when they get home from talking to the chief, and it's Zada. And he's like, I'm being held hostage, and you got to come get me. No, no, it's not from Zada. It's from a bunch of criminals who are like, we've got got your boy Zada, (laughs) and we'll give him back to you in exchange for the glass eye. And they're like, who is it? No, they they try and... um... Yeah, Zada does talk, though. They're like... um, he says, these guys are holding me prisoner. you got to help me. They'll kill me if you don't. Do what they say. Please. And I'm like, hmm. Seems like a bit of a ruse. Yeah. But it's not. He is actually being held hostage. Mm-hmm. What they say is, if you want Zeta back, you will go to this, like, Dock. hillside. Yeah. It's, it's near the water. Yeah, it's near the water. No, it's near a cliff. Near a cliff. Yeah. But you're going to go to this spot. You're going to park your car. Yeah. You're gonna and you're going to wait here. for instructions. Don't call the cops. Or we'll call your boy, or we'll, we'll kill, kill your boys out. And so they're like, oh, okay. We agree. They they try to, like, fudge their way out, but don't manage it. And then, who do they call? They Sam? call the boy. Sam Radley. Um, and I was like, who? Uh, I missed the part where they called him. So when he's there, like, that must be Sam. I was like, who is this? But Sam, the... They call almost, Sam. They're almost never seen... Bodyguard. Last man. time I was on the show, we talked about how my, it might have been one of their dad's secret identities. Oh yeah, maybe. But it seems to be like he's a body man to to Fenton. Like he's, he's a, just just another private eye. 
yeah. happy to help out. Part of the mm-hmm. agencies or whatever. Yep. I, I don't know. And so um, they get him to like go and approach from the opposite direction, basically. He, yeah, he drives up to the other side of the hill so that they'll all wait. And when they're and pulling the boys, down the hill, they, they see a figure with glowing eyes. After they park, I guess. They park their car. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. make their way cautiously through a screen of trees. And they see a figure with glowing eyes who I imagine cannot is, see that. is kind of very, walking very slowly Stumbling. with his hands kind of out in front of him and like stopping every He's couple of feet like to like, like yeah, he has to like pick up his mask and like pull it out from his face and look down and then like... He's moving very slowly. I do love that the next chapter is called Doom Ride. Doom Ride. Awesome. Makes me think of like a car from Wacky Races or something like mm-hmm. the, like the Doom Buggy. I just want to lay out the scene rather than like read or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to lay out the geography of this. So the boy's car is parked at the top of a large of an incline. Yeah. At the bottom of this incline is a cliff. In front of that cliff is Zada. Yeah, tied up, he was tied up, and, and with a spotlight pointed at him. Like, yeah, <laughs> and one of the things that made me think this this is a thing that didn't get the update is they use the term bullseye lantern. There's a bullseye lantern oh, focused on him, yeah. and that is I just like uh, looked up an image of it if you want to get an idea of what it looks like. Oh, but, but they are they're they're flame lanterns that have a focused lens um, that you can point at one point, place. and it yeah. has like a shutter on the front of it that you can open and close. Yeah, yeah. So you can light a yeah, the old like barn door style. Yeah, yeah. And so he is lying. <laughs> the captive peddler is bounding gag on the ground. The deal that they make is that. They can go down and load Zada into their car. Mm-hmm. And then they have to hand over that glass eye. Right. Which I'm like, uh, immediately I was like, well, that doesn't well, make that sense. Is, no, yeah, get they, the glass eye first. Have, yeah, you already have what you want. Why? But they, they're like, okay. And they're like, just wait. You'll get a signal and then you can drive down the hill and get Zada. So they get in their car. They wait for the signal. They start it. And then they start driving. And the mm. brakes are cut. And I don't know why this struck me as so hilarious. They are now headed quickly down and in down, and and I, I, I this is where I wrote that Frank is frantically towing the uh, the, <laughs> the brake button. He's wiggling his toe Just all like, over the brake. Like I guess not, it's not working there. It's not working. I'm wiggling my toe, 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 toe harder. Then wiggle your toes more. So what's going to happen if they don't stop or get out of the way? Is they're not only going to run over Zada and potentially kill him, kill him they're, they're going to go off cliff. Bing. Which I'm like. Really solid murder. Yeah, holy. And it turns out that when they got out of their car and were talking to the guy and making the plan, another dude crawled, crawled in the car and cut, cut their, their brake lines. And their emergency brakes. Which is, I think, actually some of the smartest uh, yeah, like, that's criminal one of the work coolest, I've ever seen. Yeah, They're exactly. like, and it will look like these boys ran down a homeless a man. A homeless man and then, and then crashed lost into control the ocean. and drove into the cliff. But yeah. they managed to like swerve over to the side and get under the grass and slow the car down. I don't really understand the geography of that, but right, whatever. Oh, they also use the term. Um, oh, they well, they damage the body of their car because they, they run it again. Yeah, it's all the second up. car crash. They flatten, I think, they, both the tires. Yeah, so they just got to repair it. But and then as soon as they're done, Sam Rail is like, and fires off a flare gun, which I'm immediately like, they what? refer to it as a very pistol. Very pistol, but if you read the description, no, it's clearly a flare gun. I just want to know what. Well, like, I don't know. We, term, we should have to look. A, yeah, I thought uh, the same thing. Very pistol. That yeah. sounds like an old timey term. We should look it up. We should have looked it up before we did this. It would be an interesting segment that you would cut for time. Um, <laughs> um, and Sam did nothing. I realize at this point he just watched all this go down. Yeah, but he did do the flare gun. I guess he parked a quarter of a mile away so that they. He's like, let's just call the police. Mm-hmm. Why'd you bring Sam? I don't know. 
It's good well, to have a witness to exactly. someone attempting and, to murder at you. At least Sam was like a... What? Oh, yeah. Because they were attempted murder. Attempted murder. And at least Sam is, is like a, a, a private detective that follows the law. That's true. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't try to just like go after them. He's like, let's call the police. Well, that's, yeah, that's what, what that's you know what we're supposed to let's do. See, they now. think they think Zad has been drugged. Uh-huh. They take him to the hospital. Oh, I love this. It made me think of Antiques Roadshow. They they realize that the glass eye when they're inspecting it again might be hollow because it's very light for something that should be made of glass. And I was like, smash it. See what's in there. Smash it with a big rock. Break it open. But they don't. They don't. Which is nothing. Smart. Nothing rattles inside nope. of it. So and, they're like, and it's Sam Radley who's like, mm, nothing's rattling. But it might even be like wadded, I think he says. He might be wadded in. Right. Radley agrees to just stay at Zada's room just, with him. Just like hang out forever. Is he on retainer? Who is paying these people? He brings in another dude who's like also a... I, I, that was the moment where I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So like, I'll call one of your, other, your dad's other friends. Okay, wait. But I, like, did we get a grant? Like, uh, who is... They're like, your dad's fine. He, uh, we're all set. Yeah. We'll bring in one or the um, other. And he comes in, and, and they're like, is he a detective? And Sam is like, oh, a detective? Sure. Sure, yeah. I, yeah. We, we're, yes. We're in, this, <laughs> we're in the same line of business, Field, boys. we're in the, um, yes. And they get home, and they learn something amazing, that Fenton's safe has actually finally been run. Been cracked, blown open, and I wrote in parentheses, nitroglycerin? No. Frank said. My hunch is they were lured away by some phony message to give the safe cracker a clear field. If they don't come back soon, though, we'd better phone an alarm. Now we'd better check Dad's list of secret papers. The brothers got this from Mr. Hardy's desk, and when they had gathered up the scattered documents, took inventory. They're all here, said Frank in relief. Suddenly he exclaimed, Wait! Dad stole some cash in the safe when he left town, but I sure don't see it now. I... Safecracker probably took it, Joe said. But I'll bet that's not what he came for. Frank agreed. Ten to one, he was after the glass eye. I cannot get over the fact that not only does Fenton Hardy have a safe full of secret papers, but he also has a list in his desk of, of what the, the secret papers are so they, they can be cross-referenced against the fun. Oh, no, they're all here. And also, the safe cra- even even if they didn't find what they were looking for they, in, safe, in, yeah. in Fenton Hardy's safe, they could have taken criminal files that they could have used for like extortion, yeah, or, or even uh, just a list oh, yeah. of the criminal of the uh, of the secret documents that Fenton Hardy has. That's leverage that, over Fenton Hardy, exactly. Like uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's un- he has a list in his desk, and also the fact that the kids are like, "Didn't Dad keep a bunch of money in the safe?" And one, I'm like, "Why does your dad keep a bunch of cash in a safe?" In a safe, in yeah. Like, office? wait, that might like, have a lot to do with you in the future. Are you talking about like run money? Is yeah, that what you're <laughs> yeah, about? exactly. Like. like Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, but uh, so I just I just love that he has a list of of secret documents. The yeah. last thing that you want, exactly. So they they hope though that when Dad gets home, because they still have the glass eye, they really right. hope that when Dad gets home, he'll allow them to smash the eye open. I'm like, fuck your dad, yeah. smash it open, smash it open now. And they're like, well, maybe when if he lets us. I'm glad but, they don't do it. But I really but it was such a late night that they sleep very late and they wait uh, wake up just just in time, in time for for church. Presbyterian, do you think? Or I, I don't know. Maybe Methodist. Or... I think they could be Methodist. They mm. refer to, uh, they woke up just in time for church and then it just says, after that. After that. <laughs> because it, because if you said more, 
you would have to describe their faith. Yeah. At which point you might deter some readers who hey. are like, you're not, re- you're not reading that Presbyterian garbage anymore. We are Unitarians in this house. All of a sudden, Fenton, let's see, does he call them? No, he comes home. Uh, oh, no, 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 he radios. He radios from St. Louis. Radioing home. Fenton Hardy. Thank God no one else is on this frequency yeah. in the world. Yeah. Uh, he, he tells them to go to the airport and wait for Ace Pampton and to see if he comes Ace in there. Pampton. Ace Pampton. Ace Pampton. Anybody remember Ace Pampton? <laughs> he's, the pamper. He's, he's the pamper perp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the pamper pilot. Ace Pampton. Um, let's see. So they agree to just drop everything and go hang out at the airport for several hours. In, I'm sorry, the most boring fucking chapter it of is. the entire book. They go Not, to the airport. They see Rip Cinder and he gives them a hand sign. Rip Cinder, think, again, being the ex-pug from yeah. the, the health resort. Burly, mash-nosed figure. Mash-nosed. Um, and he makes some symbol ear. out of and they see a swarthy hook nose man, and they he does a like, forked finger. That's what it is. Oh yeah, yeah, he does the forked finger. He does. It's the, very simple. He Everybody, ward, anybody he wards off the evil eye. Anybody who's listening at home, it's literally that finger. It's like the rock and roll or like the devil horns. It's yeah. that standard like one you make where you stick your index finger and your pinky finger up, and, and you put it, your thumb. Over you put your, your thumb kind of over fingers. your yeah other two fingers. He gives him a rock on symbol, but it's it's 1937, no, so, so they're like, the "What the fuck?" Is that? Which I mean, that's why we made the rock and roll. Pretty awesome, yeah. Um, <laughs> rock and roll is pretty great. Uh, so anyway, Gangway, um, a guy runs through the crowd. Gangway, I love it. Like he says it like a Gangway, like something that you just say when you're carrying a big thing of luggage. Yeah. They chase they, after him. People don't allow the Hardys through, even though they're yelling, "Stop! Stop, stop that thief! Stop that thief!" But, they're it's actually so many... seeing the thief from the movie theater. Right? Oh yeah, it's the same. It's the same guy. Yeah, and uh, they they make a thorough search, but the dark complexion man has vanished. Basically, this is a chapter in which the party the boys airport. are sent to the airport to catch watch people get off a plane and catch a guy. But they instead, what happens? They don't catch that guy. They sit at the airport for a while. They see a person they recognize, and they shout, I recognize that person, and they drum the entire airport into a chaos. They totally flush their quarry without yeah. ever catching it. Sure. And then are just... And they provide a perfect distraction for their just, uh, for the guy they're actually... In which... A chapter in which the Hardy Boys are the worst detectives they, ever. They like, just do nothing. They just... And blow their own cover, destroy, uh, you know, evidence that they could use. Like... It, they uh and then they decide what to go to go visit Zada. Uh, yeah, to room four ten. Sinister flower gift. Yeah, they, yeah. Because they go like... see Zada. They see that he has the same rock on, uh, mm-hmm. warding away the evil eye. He's drawn on his symbol door. on his door, but somehow they still haven't put it all together. And they go to talk to him, and uh, he's in a hospital room. He just received some flowers. They don't like have a bomb in them, do they? They have... No, they just they just have, have a, a, note. a note. And the note, but the note is just a picture of the eye. The thing he's freaked out about is that he has sent a funeral arrangement for yes, flowers. which is very Yeah, freaky. that'd be fucked up to me too. They send a funeral arrangement and, yeah. and a little card with the eye. Yeah. And then when they, um, but again. how, at this point, how are the boys not making, making the connection between the evil eye and the and the symbol. forked finger of the eye warding against the evil eye, yeah. and the eye syndicate, and the 
Izmir and the Goggler Gang. Yeah. How are they not putting all these together? They're not, they've been hit on the head many so times. So permanent brain damage. The the thing that I really that I really liked about the flowers is that when they eventually contact the florist, yeah. the florist is like, "Oh, I got no idea. They said just to send him." And Tucked also, under the door, he, he said to draw this symbol on it, and I was like, "Okay." And then and then they're like, "Can we uh, can we see that letter?" And he's like, "I actually I incinerated it, in, it moments ago. I threw it into an incinerator." And why do why does everybody? Dispose of stuff in the Hardy Boys by incinerating it. Like we we've run into that. Well, it might be evidence. <laughs> That's true. I don't think this guy's in on it at all. He literally just. But like, he's like, you know, this evidence. If it if it's evidence, and it turned out that I burned it, I'm going to be in trouble. So I should burn it extra good to make sure it totally burns up. <laughs> <laughs> extra good. <laughs> they go to talk to. Um, one of the goggle the guys again. broke into Izmir's house. What was that about? They have warm up the radio again. And, and this is the first time that, that we you see Fenton Hardy use a pocket radio transceiver. He has a cell phone. It's that thing from the from the previous episode where that guy invented that magical radio. I think Fenton just kept it. Yeah. It, like we were saying before, man, how did they do these stories before cell phones? They made oh, up they cell just phones. made up cell phones. And, and then, gave like, them to everyone. And gave, yeah, I'm saying like... <laughs> Good call. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but it is weird that they find out that, uh, from Chief Colleg, that Izmir reported that a guy tried to break into his mansion, and the guy that he described is the guy who robbed the jewelry store. But later yeah. we find out that Izmir is in charge of this whole syndicate. Yeah, so, so why, why would this? Why would he report that a guy tried to break into his And it's the second time that he has reported his own like, crime, crime syndicate, syndicate, like stealing his cars. And it yeah. maybe well because he's, cause he's trying to stay though. above board because he's about to drown himself in the well we're getting ahead of ourselves oh sure bit. for sure but um but he's about to drown himself. the only other thing I'm just looking at what I have left on this page um oh there's a moment where they call the airlines and they're like uh well he had a transfer in New York City and they call the airline and they're like the did he get on them. did he get on New York City and like well, he, well yes he certainly did or like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, airlines will give you they're like, passenger manifest. He got off the three ten flight. Yeah, and they're like, oh, so he missed him, and they're yeah. like, why did you tell these teams? Yeah, like what? I really like this next chapter because like nothing. Um, the Brass Crescent. Yeah, nothing. This happens is a in chapter it. in which they run into Tony Prito, and, and he Tony explains Prito to him explains the, the Italian tradition of the evil eye. Yeah, and warding off of the evil eye, which is. A, no. not Italian. Yeah, B, it's like, like a pan global. It's more, I, I associate it with Turkey. I don't even else. know. I Like, it's literally such an ancient tradition. And at least they hit on that. Yeah, chapter, they're like, like, oh, it's all over this Europe is, and Asia. And everywhere, yeah. and everywhere, everywhere, the concept of an evil eye, like, persists. Put the evil eye on you. Persists, like, thousands of years into our history. But eye. apparently the boys have never no, missed heard one. of it. Great yeah, they missed that one. They're the lucky 10,000. On this particular... Yes, the lucky 10,000. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And then they find out what? That that Fenton's guy, Pampton, is Pampton. apparently has, has gone to the health farm. Yes, he's checked himself into he's the checked health in. farm. Oh, also... Something about Rip Cinder. Well, well they have to, the way they find that out is that they realize that cab companies keep detailed passenger manifests and logs and will share them with anybody. Anyone who calls. So they call and they're yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. I remember. I did drive a guy out to that out place. Out there. Yeah. Yes, Here's what wore, he looked like. He wore... He, 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 
Oh, then they say he had bright red curly hair and big horn rim glasses. And like, so he described a, a man wearing a disguise. Yeah, it's like when, when Fenton Hardy says earlier that the last time he saw him, he was wearing a fake beard. And then the boys look for a man with a with beard. With a beard. Like, what? No, no, I said it was a fake beard, boys. <laughs> uh, well, let's check in before we get to the very end of the ah, book, yeah. Uh, with our bingo. Hasn't been an explosion. But no I, shipwreck. I just got a disguise, which is cool. Uh, no horse chase. No reward. No made up country. Any actual injuries? Was he, was Zada actually injured? He's been in the hospital for a while, but I think it's more nervous. There have been multiple people who have been actually injured. I mean, Bill Braxton got hit so bad that Frank was able to finger the wound. That's true. I'm so, going to add that. I'm gonna add yeah. that. Um, I don't have a secret code yet. I have a good feeling about that. Okay, well, we're in the final stretch. We're in the end game, folks. Yep. I love, okay, so when we, before we stopped off for uh, Bingo, we were talking about how it turns out you can call a cab company and, they and they'll be like, you. well, first of all, we'll call the cabbie who drove that person. Who has a... And then they'll oh, give you a description. Yeah, because he has a photographic memory, or at least Yeah, and his name is Mike Doyle, and they drive out to oh, Mike yeah, Doyle. Yeah. And, and Mike Doyle um, gives them a detailed description of the disguise he drove to the, the health farm. Uh, and then he says, what's this all about? <laughs> and the boys say, well, if our hunch is correct, he's wanted for swindling. What? <laughs> what? I just wrote general. Just Ge- Ge- general. Yeah, I, I, we talked about this earlier. Yeah, general but like, swindling. I, I didn't realize you could be charged with swindling. He's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's anything from like like convincing you to trade a collectible card that you don't is know is as valuable as it mm, is yeah. to like... Uh, Selling you a car that doesn't to the standard, have an like To the standard, like, hey, can I get change for this 20? And then while you're handing him the change for the 20, he, like, sticks it in an envelope. You know, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, yeah. standard yeah. handoff. Right. Like, uh, swindle. No, yeah. just general swindle. Wanted for swindling. Sort of standard yeah. swindler. Swindling. They have suddenly decided that Doc Grafton's uh, farm must be a hideout for criminals. Because uh-huh. Czech can't have a real job. No, exactly. Now, anywhere Czech gets a job, they're like, it must be some sort of it scam, must be, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we don't have a job. Right. They're like, no, but check like, goes to they... get a job. No, but how do they work their way to the idea that... They they just decide that because Rip Cinder works there and knows Pampton is dodging the law, the health farm might be a regular been... hideout for criminals. They make a huge jump in one sentence yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, well, this is all this is all going to make a lot more sense when we get to the last chapter. Yes, the mega true. info. Where we've given all the information that was cut. So let's see. They so they, they go, go to that... they go home because they have a plan. Remember? Oh shit! They think that Fenton Hardy should put on a disguise. He's back from St. Louis, by the mm-hmm. way. That he and should like, put on a disguise. Check in as an... and he, he should do a Nelly Bly. He yeah. should go, admit himself to this sanitarium mm-hmm. uh, and pretend to be a person there to learn information. Now, my question about this is: Fenton Hardy is world famous, recognizable right. on site. On site, yeah. So how is he going to disguise himself? I will but list then it later. They... He has a great disguise. Okay, uh, yeah, I will wait. Okay. We'll wait for the disguise. But I have a his name, down four bullet points. His and then he's like, I will, I will go in under an assumed name. The assumed name will be Foster Harlow. 
very creative, Dad. Thank you, Fenton Hardy. They're like an FH just checked in. Oh my God, that's Fenton Hardy. No, oh no, no, no it's no, just, no, no. Oh, yeah, uh, never mind. Foster this guy, Harlow. Apparently, this guy's for name a is second, Foster like, Harlow. Looks just which like I've met so many Fosters and Harlows in my life. <laughs> Apologies to all you Harlows out there and Fosters. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, this is when they go and manipulate that old man. Yeah, they go to Mudge and convince him that Izmir is going to try to buy that boat instead of him. And he's like, I will learn everything there is to know about that man. And I will destroy him with that information. Yeah, they basically, they're like, oh, you know, Mudge is also a crazy businessman. And he's crazy. So if we phrase our questions right, we can weaponize him. His um, craziness, yeah. uh, His craziness against the other wealthy guy. So, like, you ever hear of a guy named Imzir? And he's like, yeah, he's another rich guy. And they're like, mm, yeah. You but know that boat you really he, want to buy? He really wants he to buy that boat, too. And that's enough. And that's like, enough. And he's like, that no. son of a bitch. We, it is over for him. I will and like, I will ruin his life. I will end his life. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And, the yeah, boys and are, then the boys just kind of grin. Exactly as the Hardys had hopes. I just wrote jerks. Yeah, exactly. Don't manipulate this old man. He's <laughs> in the hospital. Yep. And then they go out and Chad is leading exercises. This yep. whole thing. Um, but this is the second point I wrote down in the book where I was like, honest, legit foreshadowing. Like, like mystery clue. Okay. Because he's out there and he's like sweating and he's like working and everything. But it specifically mentions that the guys, like all these, these old CEOs and whatever who mm-hmm. are out here for this rich retirement, they are not breaking a sweat. Yeah. Like Chad is like... Pumping iron and doing these push-ups, and these guys are like they're like robots, like yeah, nothing. They're, they're with the because they're, and they're just like, wham, 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 wham. right, exactly. Because we're gonna learn, learn later that they're not retired businessmen; they're criminals. They're hired goons. And yeah, it's, they're hired yeah. goons. They're in great shape. Yeah, and uh, but I it's do, one of those like little like, moments where you're actual like, oh yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were like, oh, so he's and all these guys are like, nope, this is. I nothing. did think about that. Also, if you look at the illustration, it looks like he's at boot camp. It does not look like these are um, right. Yeah, yeah, camp. exactly. And you think that Chet would look at them and be like, "How old are you?" And one guy would be like, 70. Yeah, and you'd be, and like, be like, "Shh, like <laughs> I'm gonna die here." Gonna I, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna. The, he tells them about how hard he's working on, how hard the job is, and that lunch all they feed you is like cottage cheese and lettuce. And, and lettuce. And then Joe says, you'll be down to a mere 200-pound shadow by the time the summer's over. He's trying so hard. I know, and, and these guys Frank are... Frank at least says, lay off Joe. And then he and then he's like, Assistant Morton is really earning his salary. But Chet has to stay and keep working, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They um... And then they take what I wrote down as a mostly pointless trip back to Mrs. Lundberry. Oh, yeah. Just back... to catch her up on like... Yeah, well, they haven't seen her in a while. She since chapter, I don't know, two... So. And they told her, like, hey, we went to that art store and we got no new information and, uh... Oh, and okay. Straight up stolen from well, there. Well, I'm glad you spent 13 pages doing all of yeah, this. Yeah, uh, you're not gonna get that insurance money. But no, I figured as much. I felt I was kind of done in this book. Do you know what an evil eye is? And she's like... Oh! <laughs> exactly. She's like... <laughs> she's just like, yeah, for sure, who doesn't? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. She's like, yeah, well, we traveled all over the world. Yeah, and come on. Carved in like buildings and painted on stuff. It's superstitious. But she didn't remember it the first time. She's like, you know, now that I. Something about an eye. Something about eye evil. You know, now that I think about it, it was carved everywhere. <laughs> everywhere we went. And they but... say that it, it exists in many parts of the world, probably including India. They find out something about Izmir this, Motors. This chapter is called The Walking Mummy, but because. it's actually. I mean, it doesn't actually pay off until the next. No, like most Chapter, of these. Yeah. They uh 
the when they get home and they're like kind of recapping all the clues they've learned and stuff and what right, they but after their learned. totally pointless chapter where they yeah. basically go and inform an a bunch old of woman. old people about what they've been doing they're like well i guess we'll just go home and go to bed then but then chet shows up in his jalopy and he honks his horn and they're jalopy. like I just saw walking mummy. Walking mummy. And they're like, yeah, is this like when you said we were going to get kidnapped and so we went to a beach party? And he was like, like, no, 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 it's actual mummy though. Oh, they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Because immediately they're like, this is even a weirder, weirder ruse. Yeah, yeah. Do you want us to come see Who did you wrap in toilet paper? Like, what? Is it Biff? He's like, no, no, actual mummy. And they're like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, great. But um, it's... It's clear that he didn't see a mummy. He saw a person who was wrapped in bandages. Because that's how he describes him. Yeah, as wrapped in bandages. Not a mummy. The There's a house at the farm that no one's allowed to go into, and it's always locked up. It's a yeah, big two-story farmhouse out in the woods. Out in the woods. And, and they, tell Chet Morton, in. they tell Chet Morton, you're not allowed to go, allowed to go out there. And Chet Morton is like, I'm going to go out there. Mm. And I yeah. like that. He kind of gets the detective thing of like, that, oh, well, the boys said this might actually junkie, be... Junkie. You're a junkie, you're a junkie, you're a junkie. Who wins the next case? Um, but he goes out to check out this abandoned house, and when he looks through the window, he sees people fighting, and when he looks through the windows, he says, all of a sudden, this this mummy walked past the window. The head was all wand, wound around with bandages. And then they say, easy, Chet, you've been seeing too many horror movies, like The Creature from the Tomb. I don't think The Creature from the Tomb is a real movie. Sorry. I just wrote not a real movie. Yeah. Um, and they accuse Chet of being, you know, stupid and delusional instead of just immediately assuming that he saw, you know, a person and they're like, you've been working out too much. What? <laughs> no, just believe me when yeah. I say things to you. Yeah, why does this have to be... Oh. What's the... I got a... Oh! Jack got a cool uh, weird printing error where yeah. one of the pages one of my extended pages about is a quarter. Overextended. We'll take a picture of it. We'll post it on our uh, on our Instagram and Twitter. Um, but cool. this is kind of a cool, like, uh, this is a factory kind of misprint, reprint. They decide to go out to the, oh no, Fenton gets a hold of them. Fenton calling Elm Street. Fenton calling Elm Street. Yep. Because Elm he Street has to Fenton, has we read them. you. Anyway, yeah, so they're on the radio. Mm-hmm. And he, this, yeah, he cell. has a, he has, he has, uh, managed to sneak a radio broadcaster into the farm where mm-hmm. he's under disguise. <laughs> and he's like in his, in his own room. Um, and I'm like, wait, but this isn't a prison. Why wouldn't they let you have a radio? Yeah, you can, yeah. What? Yeah, it's not a prison. At this point, Frank has hidden the glass eye, like, under his pillow, and when he lies down to sleep, Mm -hmm. I actually kind of liked this. This is one of my favorite moments in the book. He lays his head on the pillow and hears, like, a clock, clockwork. He he lays down, and then they he wakes up later. It's like click 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 he's click, like click. I wonder why I woke up and then he tries to roll over and then he starts here and when he opens signals up, are coming through the eye clicks and, and it's a real shame because uh, on the very first page of this book there's an illustration of him yeah. saying signals are coming through the eye which like really ruins the because you're you're just waiting for the eye to go off the entire book yeah uh, also it doesn't look anything like it's described in no 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 it's a weird ass almond shape and it's yeah it's, yeah. Um, they get a it. they get a code and the code is this. I'm just going to read it exactly. 12 p.m. 4112 N 7059 W 13 K 0801227. And immediately when I read that, I was like, okay, so it's a time. It's a time and yeah, and land time longitude and land, land yeah, and, and possibly uh, and then the rest of that is some I, more. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, uh, it's probably like w- maybe wind speed or direction. Then it takes but, them two pages to decipher that code. <laughs> two pages. 
to be like, well, I mean, it just seems like letters and numbers. 1, 2 p.m. What could that possibly mean? Like, <laughs> But then they, they find out while they're, after they solve this that Chief College lets them know that two more people tried to break into Izmir's estate. And their names are Kane and Yado, and they're both dangerous hoods. And again, I'm like, why is this guy reporting on these criminals? I yeah, like none of that. This also it's all and, a and, setup. And that it was the it was the second time I read through the book that I noticed the Kane and Yado thing. I don't mm-hmm. think they ever come back. No, never mentioned again. That must have been from stuff that was cut. That a previous thing and stuff that was cut. Because but they like, do they learn. Like, what they learn very quickly that. Uh, the report from the crystal ball, the ship that Mr. Izmir was on, is that Mr. Izmir fell overboard and is now dead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, he's not dead. Yeah. No, and immediately I was like, oh, you reported missing. and Because they, they make and the like, point that they're like, oh, that location, that when the, once they figure out that it's latitude and longitude, they're like, oh, it's out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And then the next page, they're like, that guy that the fell Hardy Boys were thinking about fell overboard in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, anyway, so they, uh, they're like, are you thinking the same thing I am? And he's like, do you think it had anything to do with the message we got from the glass eye? And I was like, no, probably not, guys. Yeah, no, probably not. Uh, you know, you probably should smash that thing. <laughs> smash, smash, smash. Get the gears out of there. Maybe there were something. Is there copper in that? Um, what are we, Sandy? What are we, Hobo Johnny? <laughs> Let's see, yeah, they, they go see Mr. Mudge again. No, he calls them on the phone, and they're like, hey, is this Mr. Mudge? And he's like, yes, of course. Of course it is. Be faster or slower. Uh, what What's my gig this time? I'll bite the end of a cigar. I'll <laughs> spin it in your living room. So Mudge lets them know that his uh, investigators have found out that Izmir was actually broke. That he was in this fence, right? And then it's all spiraling downhill for him. Yeah, and he's about to, like, maybe go to jail. And he's managed all of his uh, businesses under something that he calls the Izmir Syndicate. Syndicate. The I Syndicate. As in letter I, Izmir Syndicate. In the same way that there is an evil I. There right. is a goggler gang. Because right after they talk to him, they find out from Zada, who's finally willing to talk yep. to them in the hospital. In the hospital. That, we... that, that the gang that we have known as the gogglers is actually the evil eye gang or the bad eyes. And that's what that note at the beginning is, beware bad eyes. And I just have to say... This... The goggler gang is a way better name. Right? Yeah, and also, but, but also, when I think of the eye syndicate, the evil eye, yeah. I think of a capable crime syndicate yes. that accomplishes not people who wear when what? I think of the goggler gang I think of people <laughs> who put nylons over their faces and then, and then glue lights to their eyes on top of the yes. nylons so and they, they try can't. and commit crimes while completely blind it's part of the thrill <laughs> raises the stake you're like look man I've robbed enough movie theaters yeah. alright but I, I bet I could but do I, it I bet blind. I could do it blind blind bang it's like can you imagine like just even just running into the rotating door <laughs> the wrong way the wrong way <laughs> I love it oh uh, okay and then and then the Goggler gang robs cinemas the eye syndicate ships jewels internationally like <laughs> I really enjoy this though it's chapter it's the end of chapter 18 of 20 and Bill Braxton's like hey guys I got a mystery for you and I was like you better not you bastard not at this point no no it is 18 of 20 there are no mysteries next book <laughs> next book we can do your mystery but it turns out somebody took his boat the sea spook his hydrofoil out oh, yeah 
out into the deep ocean and brought it back and maybe filled it with gas. He's not sure how much gas was in it, but he can tell because the berth is full of water that like it clearly went out into the I actually scenes. really like this moment from a mystery standpoint. Yeah. Because he talks about how like, hey, my ship was stolen last night. And then and then it. returned. Right. Which has happened to the sleuth before. Yeah. And but he talks about like, well, uh, okay. They're like, how do you know it? He's like, well, the lock was broken. The the... lock was broken. Somebody took one of my dishes from the um, the mess hall and used it as an ashtray by the throttle. Which which I'm like, why would you tip it off the edge of the boat? Must have been an edit from the previous one where a a criminal smoked cigarettes. And that was like one of the big clues is that. Because uh, he fishes up a cigarette butt later. Oh, that's right. But but, uh, the other thing is that uh, he talks about like, oh, and the bilge is half full. And yeah. the village would have been yeah would have, would have been, been empty, empty. But at this point, it would, the deck would have been dry and it's so soaking wet they could tell it's been out. Right, that's actually like mystery. Where I think, I, I think that if that if that plot point had been given to us before we learned that he had gone overboard, yeah, then him going overboard would be like that's why they stole the boat. But in this, they're like, he went overboard. And they're like, and someone stole my boat. And you're like, I bet I know why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing is you, they, you're like, they structured the Well, yeah, up. well, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so he's like, hey, wait a second. If they was, if they took this at midnight and it, and it looks like he went this direction for this long, that's exactly the code we got last night. I'm like, no shit, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I deciphered that code when it was being delivered to me. Yeah, like, and I don't even know Morse code. Exactly. Well, I mean, I mean, thankfully, thank you. Though they Frank do Dixon, talk about did. how the sea, the sea spook sailed out and picked up Izmir from where he fell off the boat. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to to mention is that latitude and longitude lines are not as exact as uh, they're making them out to be. That's why they have decimal points after them, right? And a lot, like they get down to a point where you can locate a line. But when you actually get out to a ley line, it's an huge area. Yeah, but that's why they talk about how he just he was like, flashing a flashlight. So I just thought, like, it was a good plan, yeah. but I think he may have actually still dreamt. Yeah, well, you know... Because, like, how... I'm, even I'm, if he has a flashlight, you're out in the open ocean, you're like, as, I don't see a flashlight. And as someone who plays a lot of Sea of Thieves, sure. uh, I often, we we as a crew often run into moments where we we sink a, a big skeleton ship, mm-hmm. or, or or we kill a kraken, and, uh, and, and the treasure floats to the top, and one of us can kind of see it bobbing on the waves, yeah. and goes swimming out to it, and then the rest of us are like, I don't see the treasure, and I also don't, don't see, see you. you. Yeah, and like, and then somebody's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm lighting my my lantern over and over again." Come, they're like, "No, we don't." It's just dark. Okay, and I'm just the waves trying. Are too high for yeah. us to see. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Where are we? They um, think that the that the spook picked him up. Mister Hardy, Mrs. Hardy calls her sons, and Doctor Bates is on the phone. So they they go to answer the Dr. phone. Doctor Bates. Doctor Bates. And uh, Mister Bates. He said Astros. that he just found out about Doctor Varder. And Dr. Varder was the person that, the only person that Chet said was allowed into that house. Into the other one. And this is another one where, like, a doctor will, one, has access to the the files, general files, of every other doctor. And we'll share them with with anyone. Or and their mother. Anyone. So he talks about he was a prominent plastic surgeon in New York City until two years ago, and he became involved in a scandal. I couldn't find out the details, but his license was revoked for malpractice. So he works here now. What page are you in? I am on 160. Um, I, I'm sorry if I interrupted your reading. No, no. I was just saying that like he's a plastic surgeon. And it's the first time it's clear that somebody had uh, was going to go undergo like facial surgery. And the guy with the wraps on his face was yeah. the guy who was having his yeah. identity changed. 
And I was like, that's a cool thing that I haven't seen yet in these books. Is someone undergoing plastic surgery oh, yeah. to change their identity? Right. Definitely going on bingo. is surgery. Um, they have basically been like, well, we've put all the pieces together and we've tried to call dad several times and he's yeah. not picking up. Let's call Chet. Yeah. And they call them Chet's and farm. They, they call Chet's farm and, and then like, Chet's mom's like, well, he works till nine o'clock. And they're like, we don't want to call the farm before then because we we'll, we might risk t- tipping them off. And we're like, yeah. hello, it's Chet Morton there. It's the Hardy Boys calling. So they're like, well, we just got to wait. So instead they decide that they're going to drive to the grounds okay. and wait for Chet to walk off the grounds. And then as soon as he walks off, they're going to yeah, you know, flag him down. Soon after nine o'clock. Chet came ambling through the arched gateway of the health farm. A slight honk drew his attention to the Hardy's parked convertible. He trotted over. Hi, fellas. He exclaimed. I thought Iola was coming to pick me up. Yeah, I like that too, a slight honk. There's no medium ground. <laughs> yeah, he said it. No, no, it's either silent or it's very loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very loud. So they decide they're going to break into the farm. Yep. They sneak up to the house. And so two men burst from the front door and run down the steps and grab them and say, you're going to get what your father got in the steam room. And I was like, oh my God, what did you do to Stan Arnie in the steam room? What did you do to Stan Arnie in the steam room? And what they did is actually kind of like... What did they do? I don't remember. Well, when I read it, when I read it, I was like, oh shit. I wouldn't want to do that. But they're caught... Yeah, they get get drugged into this house. They... Can By I the say, gangsters. Can I say this last chapter? It's bonkers. This and fighting, it's ridiculous. This punching and fighting their way through this mansion that they while, like that they get lost. That in? they get lost. In? It's this is actually one of my favorite scenes in the entire book. Like the the, the best part about this is that Chet gets away and Chet yeah. runs and they're like, we don't even care about your friend. Because as soon as he as hits that electric, electric fence, fence, he's fried. Because it's like a Jurassic Park electric Apparently. fence. It's got like 11,000 volts running burn through their it. Hands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's to protect old people who are at a health farm. So naturally, it will kill them if they try and climb over it. <laughs> <laughs> or touch it. Lean against it. Yeah. So they're like... Oh. Brush kind of sort of brush So they're against. like, we need to find wires to cut in this house. And they just start sprinting. Snip, snap. Snip, snap. Snip, snap. I love <laughs> they don't know what any of these wires go to. <laughs> cut them. Cut them all. They it's just done. Like, it's cut. And they do manage. They find Fenton. They manage to cut the wires. Yeah. Have you seen Get Out? Yeah. The end of this book. Made you think of Get Out? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a yeah. huge, like, mansion. Yeah. It's like an old, reconverted manor. Sure. Where there are all these people who are, like, doing their own thing. And they're all criminals. Like, if you mm-hmm. stumble into the wrong door, they're all going to turn and, like, bash you. But, like... Really, they're all just, like, living their lives. And, like, and there's a moment where they they find Izmir. I think we're coming up on it. Where they, like, kick in the door to a room and Izmir's in there. And he's actually got the jeweled Siva. Yeah. Remember the jeweled Siva? Remember yeah. how that is somehow they part of this? They see him put it in his pocket. And he, like, slips it into a pouch. What what does he do right at, right after? He says something about the, the sauna or... Yeah, well, they, they've trapped uh, Fenton in the sauna. Yeah, and they they get the boys in. The boys get into the sauna and manage to to free Fenton. Well, first they find uh, Izmir, and they're yeah. like, "Where is the fuse box? Where is the to... where?" Well, they they say, "Where's Fenton Harding? Where's oh, yeah, the yeah, sauna?" Yeah. And he, and he lies to them, and he's like, "It's oh, that yeah. way." And they run down to the other end of the hall, and they kick open a door. And when they do, there's a dude with his fucking face removed. Yeah, yeah, on a on a table, and being... two surgeons who look up like. 
what the fuck? That was the moment that reminded me yes. of Get Out. Very Where creepy. I was like, they were. They, it's just like two people that just look up like, what? And then they just turn and run away from there. And then they later they do the naked gun thing where they like throw pillows and blankets. Yes, that's my favorite, is that they throw pillows and wet towels at them and that manages to work. But the cops show up and everybody panics as well. So you're like, wait, who called the cops? Yeah. And like, so now not only are they running around this mansion they can't get out of, they have Fenton Hardy. They're using... But like, there's like cop cars outside. Like, yeah, it's like just lights chaos. flashing. But when they finally find Fenton Hardy. Yeah. What he's in a he's in one of those old school if you if if any of oh, you like listeners have seen yeah it's a, a like literally that old school sweat box that you see in like 30s and 40s videos they, yeah it's made of wood it they, clamps shut over you sit on a chair and it's clamps shut over the top of you yeah it sounds but miserable it sounds miserable to start with but then they talk about how they threw Fenton Hardy in there fully clothed like with his coat and hat and scarf on oh my god with his hands tied behind his back and I'm like oh my god that would kill you yeah. like that would kill you that yeah. sounds miserable but it turns out that they're able to like splash some cold water on his face and in about four or five minutes he's alright he can, he can walk out it turns out Chet when the cops finally bust in and save everybody it turns yeah. out that Chet managed to get to the fence get over it and get and call the cops Yep, and they're like, "Oh my god, thank God we cut the right wires, or you would have been electrocuted mm-hmm. to death." And I think Chet faints. Yeah, they're like, "He's like, he's like, you mean if I hadn't, if I, if if I had grabbed the what?" Uh-huh. Yeah, and he faints, and then they're like, "What?" They're like, "We'll get you ice cream," and he's like, "Well, I'm not a fainter," and he like gets. Right I mean, well, come on. Yeah, so they they the cops are there. They've confronted Izmir. Izmir's there, and he, they realize that he faked his death and everything. Mm-hmm. And he explains that he uh, he paid off some people with new cars. And he thought it would be good enough. And, like, Fontana, the guy he got this jewel from, we never really learned why he wanted the jewels. It's not for anything other than money, I guess. But he has his own... And he used the Morse codes from the eye That's to, true. like, transmit his his drop-off point from the from the hydrofoil ship. The... It's so bizarre. As you're, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, wait a minute. How is all this tying it up into a payoff? That's how it felt for us as readers, too. Yes, the entire time. The, the last chapter of the book, as I described to Charles last night, it was like it was like Franklin W. Dixon looked at his page count and was like, well, how did I get to 212 pages? The book is over, but I never managed to explain how all of these conspiracies were. So I'll just write... It all... Yeah, I'll, I'll write, write it all in a paragraph Like, form. Can, can we find, like... Like literally three sentences yeah, that I'll, describe I'll read, I'll how read this I, one. just read it very robotically so that we This is Izmir's explanation. Some of the mob found out who I was and my business investments were about to collapse. That's why I had to clear out, and I figured I could start a new life with a new name and a new face. And become a figure in hiding, Frank remarked. Hey, that's, that's the, the name, name of, of this show. show. Yeah. And uh and then he's like, and then before sailing, I had converted all of my remaining funds into cash and diamonds. I learned about the jewel of Shiva through Fontana and that it was on sale and concocted a scheme with the art dealer to get a hold of it through a fake robbery. The, and it just like... Just on and he just, on and As if on. he's been given truth serum. He yeah, just exactly. everything. But it's all just like stuff that was cut that they feel like, well, the audience is well, going to want to know. And also like, well, how could you solve the mystery without these facts? Apparently, he, like, rats on his entire gang. Yep. And the cops are like, well, it shouldn't be hard to... They find out about some guy, some unnamed guy named Frosh, who was, like, the guy who tied up Aunt Gertrude. He's never appeared before or since, and I thought it was one of the guys we were supposed to know, but he's an unrelated member of the syndicate who was the guy who broke into their house and tied up. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, they manage, you know, 
Chet faints because they tell him about the they managed yep. to wave him up. <laughs> and then he says, uh, you know, no more rugged diets, a eh, pal. Because they don't want their friend to get in shape. No, no, and he's no, like, you no. said it. No more getting mixed up in any dangerous hardy cases. But this resolution of Chet's was soon to be forgotten when Frank and Joe were confronted with the secret warning. The secret warning. Which I'm going to say is about as lame as uh, a figure in a figure in it. Talk about a shitty title. Yeah. Can like we end this podcast talking about what a shitty title that is? It doesn't have anything. To, there were no figures in hiding. No. I mean, you they literally had to create them and yeah. then be like, oh, was so that... So you were sort of a figure in hiding, would, so, would you so say? So would you say that the person that you couldn't see that was uh, like obscured Outside by shadows, window. a figure in hiding? Like, Yeah. No, they didn't even try. Yeah. yeah, it feels like it was related to something totally different. Also, at what point in this book does Frank get in a tree and peep he in a did. window? We skipped over it because we had recorded a five-hour podcast and never <laughs> got there. But he climbs into a tree and he holds a rock and he throws it through a window yeah. Oh, God. He okay. doesn't even, like, throw a oh, yeah. pebble at the I can window. See he throws it broken. through the window. And then Malcolm is like, what the f- was that? And he's like, oh, that's who's in that window. While at the same time, like, uh, I think it's uh, Chet is downstairs being like, there's two guys down here. Like, Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, Stupid my God. Stupid teenager stuff. Um, well, I think what this, a was, mess. this was a mess of a mystery. What they, a mess. I didn't know what the mystery was for most of the book. Yeah. You know, this is, I always read these books twice before yeah. I come on the show because I just feel like it gives me a bit more context. Did you understand it anymore the second time? Yes. Well, that's good. I actually only understood, understood it the second, second time. time. Well, I will probably never read this book and never get the, again, and never yeah. get the luxury. But yeah. listening to this, maybe I'll, I'll understand more of it, but I, I kind of... Probably not, because we drank a lot of whiskey while we did it. Yes, and we talked for uh, forever. My favorite thing from this book was the Goggler Gang. I want more (sighs) themed gang. Yeah, but also, the Goggler Gang can't. I mean, they wear nylons, and then they put lights on their eyes. It makes me think of, like, it makes me think of, like, a hook hand gang, where, like, we put on fake hook hands over our real hands. And then it turns out we can't pick anything up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, on that. On that, I'm going to leave it. Thanks, thanks, Detective Studio. Uh, are you going to ask me if I have anything to plug? Oh, or? Do you have any? Do you have anything to plug? We yeah. have new episodes of At Any Rate. Yeah, I do. I do have a couple of things to plug. Um, At Any Rate is a web series that you can uh, watch on YouTube. Um, it was uh, written by me and uh, by our host, uh, and uh, it's very funny. Uh, and and our good friend and former host Adrian Bishop. Adrian Bishop, who's been on the show, and I, I think you should have Adrian. Yes, I back. should have him back. Um, and uh, and so definitely check that out. Uh, also, get on uh, Amazon.com and uh, grab yourself a copy of The Dogs of Atwood right. for 99 cents, written by Charles Wefso. Just The Dogs of Atwood, A-T-W-O-O-D. Great, thank um, you. Uh, I, guess that's, I guess that's all for me. Well, then the other thing that I will always plug is uh, just uh, if you're in the Denver uh, area, just check out Bun Fork Theater. Uh, yes. They're the MVPs of the Denver Theater area. And uh, whether we're working with them or whether they're doing things without us, you should always go uh, and and see and support them because they're they're the top notch. Couldn't agree more. And right. that's that's it. Okay. Thank hey you man, uh, I know I'm a producer, but thanks for having me on the show again. Always a pleasure. Because Jack and I stayed up so late talking about this ridiculous book, I thought I'd teach everyone how to make an extra delicious and probably culturally insensitively named Irish coffee. First, get a coffee mug, preferably one of those fancy glass ones. Add an ounce and a half of whiskey to a tablespoon of brown sugar at the bottom. Add freshly brewed black coffee over the top. Stir together until the brown sugar is dissolved. 
If you want to do it up extra sweet, Chet Morton style, you can top it off with some whipped cream. The Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast is produced by Jack and Charles Wesso. It is a part of the Panelism Network. Our theme song is produced by Danny Overby, and our graphic design is done by Kristen Hall. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to listen to the next episode of the Hardy Boys Drink Book, episode 17, The Secret Warning, featuring Adrian Bishop. <laughs>